Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Chris Sutton had the pick of every top team in England in 1994, but it was upwardly mobile Blackburn Rovers who took him from Norwich for a British record transfer fee of five million quid. What happened next became one of the most epic tales in Premier League history. Paired with Alan Shearer up front in that memorable SAS partnership, Chris's Blackburn won the 1994-5 title ahead of Sir Alex Ferguson's Manchester United. Here, Chris breaks down the twists and turns of that epic campaign. Shearer's ruthlessness in front of goal, Kenny Douglas's unshakable confidence when the squad looked like they might throw it all away, and Blackburn's character, including Tim Slippery Sherwood, David Batty, Graham Lasso, and Tim Flowers, that character which dragged them over the line eventually. He also compares and contrasts his relationship with Shearer to that of Henrik Larsson, with whom he formed a telepathic understanding at Martin O'Neill's Celtic. Oh, and do listen out for the best car diving anecdote you'll ever hear. And finally, we're recording another big interview live on Thursday, March 9th at the Concert Hall in Glasgow with special guest, Aberdeen legend, Alex McLeish. Alex will be reflecting on his decorated playing and management career, how his football manager-obsessed son alerted him to the talents of a teenage Leo Messi before the world knew of that genius, and how he'd later inquire about bringing Messi to Rangers on loan, only to be told by Frank Reichard's assistant to try and secure a deal for Andres Iniesta instead. Sir Alex Ferguson, McLeish's first manager at Aberdeen, will pop up in stories and there'll be an audience Q&A. To buy tickets, go to iWrite.com, that's A-Y-E-W-R-I-T-E.com, and search for Graham Hunter. The link is also on a pinned tweet, at GH Podcast on Twitter. See you there. I always wondered what it's like to be signed. The signing process, that when you moved to Blackburn, because it's been a successful YTS progression and you've worked your way up to an elite position, finishing third in the league with Norwich and doing well in Europe. Being signed by Blackburn or by Kenny Douglas, I don't know how you categorise it, is your first experience of that. Yeah. And one, I wonder what that's like. Two, although you were free-scoring and successful, how much did the old-fashioned remedy of playing them twice, playing Blackburn twice, winning 3-2 at Ewood and scoring twice, and then drawing 2-2 here and scoring twice, playing with 10 men for the whole of the yeah. second half against Blackburn Rovers. You've had four and two games, and that used to be the... Certainly in Britain, somebody's played well against you, you sign them. You sign them. Yeah. Your first decision about who to sign is up, who's given us a hard time? Let's... A, let's trust what we saw then, and B, let's stop them giving us a hard time by signing them. Those are two questions. What was it like, and what role specifically did those two games play? I think they played a big big part. I thought my mentality, um, I used to, at that age, I used to really believe my own hype, and I was a young man, uh, you know, in Norwich, I used to buy the newspapers every day because, you know, I, there's a lot of speculation that I would be moving on the back and linked with, you know, linked with everyone. 
you know, essentially. And uh, you know, I, I could have I could have gone anywhere in England, and that's I mean, after a degree of fee. Clubs after a degree mm. of fee. Ultimately, Arsenal and Blackburn uh, were the two clubs which agreed the fee. But, but Manchester United, you know, they were in contact. Uh, Liverpool were in contact. You know, all the all the big clubs were in contact. But that season, I was so full of it that you you know, it, which was such an asset. I, you know, I didn't think, I, I, I believe the hype. I don't know whether, whether big-headed is a, is a way to, to describe, but I was so full of confidence. And in terms of taking that out on the, onto the pitch, I didn't think, I'd, you know, it wasn't just Blackburn. I, you know, I mean, 25 league goals at Norwich in the, in the top flight. You know, I don't, I don't think anybody's ever done, you know, ever got close to, to that subsequently since. So, you know, and the, and the way the team were playing is, we went out, no pressure said earlier, big part of it, no pressure, good team. You know, I just was so, I'd get chances, I, I wouldn't think twice, I'd, I'd try things. You, you know, it was, it was a season, you know, whatever way I want to look at it, which set me up for my whole career. But the turning point was when the club sold Rule Fox in January to Newcastle. Mike Walker went to Everton and you thought... Now's the moment. I thought, yeah, because, I mean, there was a big thing with the chairman at the time, uh, Robert Chase, and people, you know, wanted him to to put more money and invest in the team because we'd finished third, had a good European run. And I understand that argument. Mm. And he was, a, he was a bit of a rogue, uh, Robert Chase, the, the, the greatest respect. You speak to people about him today and a lot of people wouldn't like him. Mm. You know, with, with my deal to Blackburn, he'd agreed the deal for me to sign for Blackburn. But earlier on in the season, he had said that if I wasn't there at the end of the season, neither would he be. Mm. He called a press conference, I think it was in May, and said that he would test the water for uh, if anybody would, would pay a British record transfer fee at that time of £5 million, then he would have to let me go, as that was a British record fee. Well, I'd signed for Blackburn seven days earlier. So, and I had to sit in that press conference and you just think, you know. I wonder if anyone will be. Oh, Mr. Chairman, you're a boy, aren't you? Yeah, and you know, I mean, it was, you know, it's funny looking back. Looking it's back. more like Robert Catsman as you can, rather than Robert Chase me, isn't it? Sort of thing. That's a good, good sort of thing. Good, Sorry, Robert. Good word, but he, um, he actually, as, as I say, I think that the jury's well and truly out on him, but I think he did a lot of good for, for the football club as well. Well, perhaps since we can't afford high-priced lawyers, we'll just leave it like that. <laughs> yeah. So, so when you when you, who does the I mean, what, I suppose what I'm saying as a Scot is, when do you get the royal phone call of Kenny, or or, or who persuades you, or was it just that they outbid Arsenal? Why Blackburn Rovers not? No, well, they didn't outbid Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal and Blackburn had agreed the five million. Five fee. million. So, 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 so they've done the deal with, with Norwich, and uh, so that's a statement in itself. Yeah. Two clubs saying, yeah. Yeah. They, they, never mind you, was it Big Ed or not? Two clubs going, yeah? British record fee? No problem, he's worth it. Sir Alex Ferguson had phoned my, my dad, who was at school, and, and spoken to him. I'd spoken to Liverpool, I'd you know, spoken to, the, to them all. But, you know, agreeing the fee, it was a lot of money back then. It was a, a, it was a record fee. And then, so, you know, the, the, the choice was, and in a, in a short space of time, I had to make my mind up. But Blackburn had finished second uh, that season. When we'd gone to play in Blackburn or, or up north, there was a perception from where we are in Norfolk that, it, you know, it's grim up north, it always rains. It's, uh, you it's, it's Scotland. It's that, yeah. So, I mean, that, that was the, you know, that was the, but that, that didn't bother me. It wasn't it, because I, I always liked Arsenal. I always liked Highbury. I have to say, I'm not mad. This is an the, obsession on, of this on, podcast. On, on, on the Emirates. Uh, oh, you know, no, listen, if you could click your fingers and let them have their million pounds a game that they need for the revenue. I mean, Highbury, you don't have to be a gunner to say that was just a temple of football. Yeah, I'd like you and I were talking about the Bernabeu. You come out of the, the underground, you turn a corner, there is that beautiful old thing, the, the entrance, the marble. Marble, yeah. Oh. And as a, as a young player playing there, and there was, you know, it was, it was, it was brilliant playing there. A fantastic stadium. So, that, yeah, that, I mean, that was the choice. But Blackburn were the side in the ascendancy. Blackburn were the side pushing, obviously, the, the opportunity to play with with Alan mm. and speaking to, to, to Kenny well, as a player, someone who, you know, if you're a young footballer mm. growing up, the opportunity to sign for him was, was, uh, was too good. The, the first meeting then? Or some of the first, those first well, we, we, spoke, we spoke on the phone. He could have actually said anything. Um, <laughs> and, you yeah, know, I, 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 it, it was, 
you know, I mean, you, you want to play for a, a, a football club, you listen to the manager, of course, but I mean, you know, managers, any manager, you know, managers aren't idiots who are trying to sign you, are they? They're not going to okay. say, again, you, you know, you, you could probably reel off examples where no, it's different, no. but, but you, you know, you want to sign for a club, a manager is going to compliment you, mm-hmm. he's very complimentary, said that he wanted to win the wanted to win the league, and Jack Walker was buying all the best players about. I mm-hmm. mean, he put it like that without mm-hmm. being sort of big-headed. All the high-profile players: yeah. Paul Warhurst, Tim yeah. Flowers, uh, Graham Lasso. Shearer yeah. had gone in, um, yeah. you know, earlier, and and you know. So, but added to that, they'd still kept Stuart Ripley, the Jason Wilcox, Tim Sherwood was a player. I used to clean Tim's boots at Norwich. Um, he was a player I used to look up to he'd signed early I think the season previous when Black oh two the, seasons previous and that uh, I think he helped bring them up didn't yeah, he he was a really good footballer Tim was really you know clever player funny guy charming guy character yeah and again you, you know talk about learning at Norwich but Tim you know as a young pro uh, wasn't backwards and coming forwards Tim was but Tim what you know what I liked about Tim is Tim would tell you the truth <laughs> you know and, and he was good like that and all the players respected him so um, you know the opportunity to sign for Blackburn a team who had pushed Manchester United who I think in, in everybody's perception in that moment were going to push Manchester United the following season that that made a lot of sense I, I, would, I would say you make a very good case particularly for somebody who, who felt an attachment to Highbury and shows what a sap I am that I was imagining that something like that might enter into decision making where all it does is leave you the sense of regret that you couldn't have all the things you've just described and a Highbury too, but that's a great case for having done it. When you get there, um, was there a great deal of adaptation? Was there a degree to which um, initially you've got to earn your spurs because at five million quid, at a cost more than Shearer, you are the coming man, you are the young buck, I, th- I think many people outside the game would say, well, naturally, what the team's going to do is, here's this great fella coming in to help our chances. Yeah. Let's all open our arms and welcome him. And in my experience, most football clubs aren't like that. And you walk into the dressing room and either you feel you've got, one feels that you've got tons to prove, or people tell you and show you pretty quickly that you've got tons to prove. Yeah, uh, the, the, the biggest thing I noticed was when I talk about no pressure at Norwich and believing all my own hype and, I, you know, it was great, it was marvellous and, you know, I think my head had grown uh, quite large and I'd gone for a record fee, uh, gone from, you know, good wages at Norwich in the end to, to you know, very good wages at Blackburn. But because um, Norwich weren't expected, Norwich exceeded expectations. Yeah. Yeah. But Blackburn were pushing big money, record fee. We all know in this day and age, you know, how you get scrutinised. And I was scrutinised. So before I'd even kicked a ball at Norwich, where all the press had been extremely positive um, before, when I'd moved to Blackburn, gone for the fee, well then, you know, they, there were elements of negativity. That's first, the first time I'd ever experienced it. First time I'd ever experienced it. Yeah. Did, I, did I like it? No. Uh, so, so there was that. And so in that respect, I wanted to prove myself. Was I, was I certain? Well, you, you know, you walk out over the white line on it, but you, you're never certain how it's going to go. So I went into a, a good team. We had good wingers. Um, and, you know, I, 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 I didn't have a brilliant pre-season, but uh, I, I think we went to Scandinavia. Uh, and you know it was okay. I wasn't scintillizing. I think I got a, a bit of criticism, uh, but we started the season strongly. The other thing I had to contend with, I, I think, and bearing in mind I was 21, mm. uh, is essentially I'd I'd felt a little bit of awkwardness because I'd gone in and I'd taken Mike Newell's place, yeah. and Mike was friends, good friends with Alan, with Alan. And, yeah. uh, and, and and Tim Flowers, and I never felt. If I'm being totally, I never felt totally comfortable with it. Now, I'm not saying I was, you know, paranoid, but I mean, if, if someone's, you know, I had gone there to, 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 to replace him. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't always find 
they, both of them were absolutely fine. I got you know absolutely fine, and there was always a perception sort of through the uh, the time I played with Alan that we didn't get on. Well, we did, but we just you know didn't go to the you know the pub for yeah. <laughs> for meals. So that was that was never. And I think people made far too much of that, you know, as as an issue. You know, people go to work every day without have many people in the office, and you're 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 more friendly with some than others, aren't you? And uh, that that was the case at Blackburn. But you know, we all were, you know, everybody got on okay. But I think I felt a little bit a bit. Oh, I'd say I'd say awkward. Uh, but I always wanted to. You always want to earn respect mm-hmm. from from prove prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I, of course, on the pitch, uh, on the you know, on a Saturday afternoon, but in training, for people to—that's that's personal pride. I, you mm. know, I, I think that that, you know, that's a, that's a big part of it. Uh, it was a uh, a bit of a diff uh, a different mentality, uh, a bit of a shock to me the negativity because I'd gone for the money, and I, you know, I did I did notice. It. I'd be lying if I said mm. I, I didn't uh, didn't notice that the tide had turned and. Right, you have to prove yourself. Now you've gone for this money. We're mm. we're judging you. We're at Norwich. There was no scrutiny. There was no scrutiny. Now you're talking to somebody who, <clears throat> on his first visit to Spain for the World Cup in 1982, um, ended up under sort of gunpoint arrest <laughs> off a train. I, I say that because I'm going to introduce an anecdote that you did tell in your book. So I don't feel too ashamed of us. The, the Cadillac dive or the the open top car dive. Yeah. What? What? One. I can see the attraction of that on a given night. Yeah. So I've got no problem with that at all. Yeah. What I think must be a little bit difficult is, given the dad that you've got, who's been yeah, such just... a guiding influence, that element, and then, hello Kenny, uh, guess what happened to your stars? Yeah. But dealing with that is a little bit of a thing too. Yeah, well, that was a bad, that was a, a, a poor error of judgment. It which was, which was... Every, single, yeah. every single one of us makes. Oh, I have made. Yeah, I've made plenty. So, uh, yes, no. but no, it was a uh, it was the night before I went. I went out for a few drinks. I think Brian Gunn came. Oh no no no! Hold on a second. It's all becoming. I don't, I don't want to blame. No, no, but... I don't want to blame a Scott. <laughs> if it's Ben in particular, then I think things become a little bit clearer. Yeah, Brian. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I just dived into a, it was a convertible. I think I. I Bent the indicator a little bit, and then the next thing it was a scene out of uh, out of the, the Sweeney. Uh, <laughs> they'd come in a nightclub to arrest me. The police had. I'd gone out the fire exit and sort of attack, jumped in a taxi, and uh, was on the way home. And the three police cars swarmed around the taxi. I was arrested, and I'm thinking. I mean, you can imagine what I'm thinking. The I mean, I'd had not... a few drinks, and then. Uh, and then I phoned my, my, well, my girlfriend at the time, uh, who's my wife now still, um, and and she uh, had, she phoned my dad, and she, she I said she was really nervous about phoning. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's, she, well, God's on your she, side when she, you're not the one who yeah. has to make the call. But she, but she, she was, oh, I can tell you, she was petrified uh, yeah. making the call, and uh, it, he, well, it was actually it worked out well because. Um, it worked out well because he was okay with Sam, uh, and uh, but when he saw me, mm-hmm. I, can, I can't even tell you the gun. We couldn't repeat what he said on there. We've said some things on there. No, I, I think we probably could, or at least I but guess you, we can you, imagine. But you get, you know, oh. the, the, the the fact that um, and the, and the reality was, I mean, Kenny laughed about it. Ken, you know, Ken, Kenny joked about it. I think that's. Pretty remarkable. I think that's yeah. f- fantastic. Yeah, but I, I mean, I had already signed. <laughs> so, no, so, Chris. Now, not joking, and I, I didn't use this just frivolously. I think that adds truth and humanity that we commit mistakes, we laugh about it. But although those who, who have listened to him and met him, and, and if you talk to any of your friends or family, he's a very witty, very funny, sharp man. But he can also give off a pretty forbidding presence. Yeah. And there are managers who we've either met or interviewed or been told about who who wouldn't have had flexibility yeah. for something like that. Not necessarily your incident in particular. Things like that, a manager can just go, whoa. Particularly the jumpy ones, they'll go, jeez, yeah. oh my no, I, I don't fancy it. So to find out that Kenny went, well, okay. Yeah. I've heard him on radio going, <laughs> 
And then at least we knew where he was that night, yeah. which is a great line. No, and it, um, so, I mean, yeah, he, he was absolutely fine to do, we've all made mistakes, laughed, you know, you idiot, light-hearted. But then, you know, and, and I'm, I'm at the other end of the phone just thinking, blimey, I owe you, I owe you one. Um, you know, with, I, didn't, I didn't say that to him at the time, but I, I am feeling all, it's a brilliant sorts, reaction. all sorts, it's a brilliant of, all sorts reaction. of guilt. Totally, and my dad's reaction was, uh, you idiot, you could have chucked it all away. And, you know, quite right, in, in stronger, far stronger terms <laughs> and stronger uh, language mm. than that. You know, and what can I say? You know, absolutely right. But, you know, having said that, it, you know, it wasn't, uh, no way am I saying it was, you know, a good thing to do, but I'm not saying it was, a, the, you know, the worst offence. In each mistake that we make as well isn't simply saying we've all done it, it's what we do afterwards, <laughs> what you learn. Well, I haven't, yeah, I haven't jumped in another one. Aha, uh-huh. okay, there's a photo opportunity <laughs> coming up, actually. When we talk about um, Kenny a little bit, some people won't understand, if I'm right, that the imprint of Kenny on that club wasn't necessarily what he gave to you as a group every day in a training ground. More that was Ray Harford's job. Yeah. Uh, what was the interaction between the two of them? As let's say you tuck your first three, four, five months under your belt at Blackburn, you're learning, you understand you've been very successful. Um, you really are a steam train at that stage. What are you seeing the two men do, and what is their imprint on that first half season for you? Uh, the, the imprint in, in their time, because that was Kenny's year, uh, and uh, he left, didn't he? Uh, the imprint was, uh, there's your leader, there's your coach. The, the leader, Kenny, delegates to the coach how we train, and, and Kenny would, you know, would be there most of the time. And that, would, that was how it, how it worked. You know, that, that, that was the way. I, I still don't have a problem with that. To this day, you know, amazing. It's a big, it's a big, it's a criticism level that Martin O'Neill, you know, Martin O'Neill isn't a coach, people say, but Martin O'Neill earned the right to get in his position as a manager. He did the hard yards at, at, at Wickham. The, the one, the one missing link in this part is: do, do people who criticise that type of manager, who doesn't, who, who doesn't, it's not true to say they don't go on the, the training, but Martin O'Neill would tell Steve Walford what mm-hmm. to do. Kenny Dalglish would tell Ray Harford what to do. So surely that amounts to the same. Charles Ferguson would tell yeah, Steve it, McLaren exactly. or Brian Kidd so, or whoever. So it's, what the, to it's do. the same thing, isn't it? And, ah. and, then, and then they are the overseer. I'm only interested in the dynamics because it's one, what we have to remember is that there are many people who listen to this and learn retrospectively. And quite predominantly now, the people you see leading football will be called a coach and they will be on the training ground doing that. Now all, from first-hand testimony I'm trying to establish for those who listen and, and, and who devour this, is that that was a different structure in any way yeah. worse, but it was different. And I'm also, given that the, the late Ray Harford, so very talented and it's sad, it, it, the focus isn't now on him, he's departed. Kenny was an all-time great, so it's just interesting to, to, to try and savour what you were getting from the leader as a group, yeah. as an individual. You don't, you know, don't have to uh, reel out Kenny's career to anybody about as, as as what he was about a footballer. But I, I don't, I don't actually. This is my view. I don't mm. care whether uh, managers who have played under, have played football, won anything. It's more about what they say in the dressing room, at the training ground, and the way they lead. So it doesn't matter to me whether they played. And Kenny always had. Uh, an enormous presence. Of course, you respected him for what he did, but the most important thing is what comes out of his mouth. Mm. And, uh, and and what came out of his mouth is that he knows the game and a lot of common sense. You, he would always have the players back. He would come out mm. to, to you guys in the press and and say one thing, and behind closed doors, he would say another thing. He knew which buttons to press. He could be hard, he'd be truthful. What, what, what do I... You know, I think so much can be made, but too far too much can be made. What, 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 what do you want as a player? You just want, you just want the people to treat you okay. And and players know the know the boundaries and the parameters. And you know that 
that uh, you, you know, where the line is. And if you overstep that mark, I, you know, with the stuff off the pitch, or you're not, you're not training hard enough, or you know, you're not putting the effort in, or you, you know, you're going out at the wrong times, then surely, you know, we all expect people to come down on us like a, a ton of bricks. And it was the same with Martin and, uh, well, you know, Kenny at that time, and, and Martin O'Neill later on. You just, you know, you just, you, you wouldn't mess him around. He, he wasn't someone, you know, we all know, he wouldn't suffer fools. He'd see through people in the, in the you know, the half a second. And so all the players had, had, had the, the utmost respect for him, not for his playing career. No. Uh, of course I did. For but that doesn't game. spill over for very no. long. If you're no. not cutting it, as no. you say he was, and you've been a wonderful player, yeah. it's a sharp pond, yeah. a dressing room. You have to cut it in what you say and you do if you're a leader. Yeah. Have to. And, uh, and I, w I would describe him as a manager who the players, you know, would, 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 he would have the meeting out of his hand. They would want, want to play for him, want yeah. to please him. Yeah. If it, he wasn't one who would lavish uh, great praise all the time, but when you know when he did give you a bit of praise and you felt rewarded, you know that 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 was. But he was one where you always felt that he was demanding more and more and more, and that there was always that bit where where you always wanted to to please him more. And throughout that title-winning season, I mean, you had the sort of war of words to uh, I wouldn't call him grouchy old Scotsman. <laughs> But, uh, it's not that far wrong. You know, the... Stadler the, the, but, that, the, but some of their sort of spats were, you know... Do you want me to name him? Well, it's not serious, it's Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, yeah Sir Alex Ferguson and... Uh, and okay. But, I mean, it was, uh, you know, they, they, were, they were both brilliant, really, the, you know, the way they both handled it. And it was sort of tit for tat, wasn't it? And, uh, I mean, it was... Uh, you know, it was sensational. And, and, you know, Kenny's so dry, isn't he? The, the way he, you know. Very funny, man. Very great delivery. But, you know, in, in terms of, in terms of a, a leader, you know, he was absolutely a leader. And, you know, we nearly blew up at Blackburn. And, mm. You know, we were ahead. Mm. But we couldn't have wished for... I, I never had the, you know, the, the luxury of playing under the right, but we couldn't have wished for a, a better figurehead in terms of looking at him, I don't know what he was thinking inside, feeling inside, but looking at him, and he was, immovable, he was immovable. You know, he was solid. And we, you know, we, we were, we were, we were crumbling a bit. And, uh, you, you know, but his team talks never changed, uh, you know, and in terms of the confidence which he portrayed in us, I always felt that was, it was it, absolutely there. Guide you a little bit as a striker? Did he, did he give... You know, little just adjustments, or Chris, I've seen something, yeah. or did he leave you well alone? Yeah, um, no, he he would, and you know, he was honest. I, I think that we, um, of course, it's it, you know, he'd it he'd talk about little movements uh, and things, but in in terms of um, we all knew our we all knew our jobs pretty well. As I say, we weren't you know. Uh, we were effective. That's what we were. We were a very effective team. We had two two good wingers who would cross balls in. Uh, we could be direct, but we were streetwise. Yeah, we had a lot of good. A lot of. I said this before. I said this a few times now, but I'll say it again. Uh, all this uh, team spirit stuff. I do. I do wonder, and I do understand it, and I, I get it. But having strong characters, and you, you, you know, you can link. Them, if you like, but I, I believe there's a difference because when um, when Leicester look at Leicester this uh, last season, everyone's saying last season, well, you know, their spirit is fantastic, mm -hmm. but naturally, when the wheels start coming off at places, everybody starts pointing fingers at each other. So you know, it's the same team. So you know, that's team spirit as well. The main thing is, is to have strong characters. I always felt we had characters, honest players, who. If they weren't getting enough out of each other, people like Tim Sherwood, Shearer, they would tell you. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. To, to back your point, because I know that it's a, a strong uh, perception of yours about winning the league and a subsequent career and looking at football now. Let's just take three characters, strongest characters from that dressing room, whether they're the most obvious ones or not, and just a little snapshot resume of why you're calling them characters. Maybe maybe Tim is a good starter or, or yeah. slippery as you used to know. <laughs> Sorry about that. Slippery, yeah. Uh, first of all, he was a good player, so yes, you know, so have res- respect uh, with that. He wasn't an extrovert, uh, a loudmouth Tim. He was one when 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 he spoke, you listened to. He uh, was super hard at times in terms of you know the way he would say things. But then, what what I think everybody liked about him, if he made a mistake, then he'd hold his hands up. So. You know, he just demanded more. He just, you know, demanded more was a, was a big, big spur and uh, of, of why we won the league. But if you look at the, at all all the players um, in that Blackburn team, they sort of epitomise what Blackburn, you know, um, the club was about at that time. And uh, I mean, I you know was at Blackburn yesterday, but it, in terms of the. Um, the feeling which I had at the club yesterday at the Manchester United game and uh, with the fans, the stadium was full, everybody was pulling in one direction. You had Jack Walker, the owner, who was an owner, uh, born and bred, uh, spent money on the club, would come into the dressing room before the game, not to to advise you on how you would play, would just come in and and give support after the game had come in and, uh, uh, and, and give support. So there was a... So if you're talking about spirit, there was a, a, a togetherness in that respect. But in terms of in terms of uh, players, we didn't all go out together. You know, we, we didn't. But in terms of when we trained, we trained hard. The most important thing is is on the pitch having having people who could understand how to win a game of football. And and, and you, you talk about styles mm-hmm. and whatever. You know, styles. Ultimately, it's all about it's 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 about the result, and it's, it, it's about winning. getting over the line. So, yeah. if something's not working, it's actually having the ability to think. Well, if you know you're playing too many passes through the middle, we're trying to play out from the back, and things are getting cut out. Well, what's wrong with being a bit more direct? It's not working. You know, if if another team has a weakness, then exploit it. And that's what that's what I thought we were. We were good at we were dogged, determined, all those things, but we, we were sort of streetwise. Every time I've heard any of your squad talking about the triumph, there's just this tiny feeling that most of you feel that it was unappreciated or, I'm not saying defensive, but it needs a bit of more appreciation, a bit of defending, no, I, because people were I people don't weren't gen- generous at the time. I don't, I don't. Do you know, I, I, honestly, I actually think 
you should go the people should go the other way because I don't I don't care in terms of in terms of it's about knowing what what tools you have and trying to pretend uh, I think that's right I tr trying agree. to render you you know you you're not something else. You you don't yeah. have to be fashionable. You have to be effective. Also, if you've got a system, whatever it might be, yeah. squeeze it till you get your maximum out of it. Which is no question. Yeah. Certainly in that season, and evidently the season before, that's what it did. Yeah. Maximum. And uh, I mean, we 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 were we were like a juggernaut, really, uh, in terms of. I think we went on a 10, 10 match unbeaten run there, or a ten match winning streak uh, throughout that season. But uh, we, we were just we were just steamroller sides, um, especially at you know it seemed at home. My memory in the early days, um, and the other the other thing which people forget about that season is we were we had two horrendous refereeing decisions against our direct rivals, Manchester United. We had the Henningberg sending off. 1-0 up at Ewood. This is the so, one that ends 4-2. 4-2. Yeah. Red card. Cantona scores from, from the spot. Terrible Tell, tell us about the incident then, in that case. Why was it um, Because uh, I think as Lee Sharp had driven into the box and uh, and uh, Henningberg had actually won the ball, deflected the ball, and the only person in the ground who didn't see it, guess who? Uh, <laughs> the referee. And had a big, huge bearing on the game. And you know it's a top Manchester United team. Yeah, it was. Uh, very good. You know it was. Yeah. And then away from home, Tim Sherwood scores in the in the last seconds of the game. Alan Shearer gets up and uh, heads. A, there's a diagonal ball. Heads it back across. Tim scores. And would have uh, been for one one. It, was, it, it would have been for one one yeah. at Old Trafford. Yeah. And the referee. I mean, uh, you know, I'm not saying it often happened at United, but they used to sort of buckle huh. uh, the referees. And and you know that. I mean, having said all, all that, we did blow up in terms of we were nine points clear, six games yeah. to go. Yeah. So, but, you know, you can see that there, 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 there is an argument that those refereeing sides, it would have been a lot more comfortable. But if you, t okay, let's turn a little incidents and I'll speed it up now, but you, you picked on those, you lost twice to United, but still won the championship yeah. because of the West Ham, but blah, blah, blah. You mentioned Ian right before. You went back hard there at, at um, Jason Wilcox. Highbury. Wilcox off. Now, I'm not quite sure why that meant that you went to centre back, but I'm reasonably sure in that game you did play at centre back. Yeah. Up against Wrightley again. Yeah. I think that the manager, at least, or those involved in the game, sort of used the phrase back pocket, but, but it, it goes well. I always played well. At centre half, when I was in fear, when I was fearful, I did because my decision making was was good, um, and I played well at centre half when I didn't train well at centre half. Oh, when I didn't train at centre half, you know, I was a centre forward, so I played up front. So that was a game. I had another game at Celtic uh, where Martin O'Neill told me on the morning of the game at Ibrox that I was to play centre-half and again I hadn't trained there for, for months so I had a clear mind and this is, so Kenny put me back there during the game and all, all I think is uh, safe just just be safe be really safe in your play you, you know as long, I, I didn't want to make a mistake and, and Ian Wright who would to be it slaughtered me at, at, at Norwich as a centre-half so you can imagine so, 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 so I go so I go back there and and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I, I'm 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 desperate to, to do well. Of course I am, but I'm I'm so I'm concentrating so much. I'm 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 razor sharp my, my senses because I don't, I don't want that to happen again. <laughs> and that was it. So it's just safe head things. Make sure you know you drop early, kick it when you have to kick it. You know, take a touch when you have to take a touch, but no no risk. That was. You know my mentality in in that game, and the, and the thing about like it, it morning of the game at Ibrox, mid game Highbury, that's also touching on pressure and psychology about like the less you know of oh I'm at centre half, the the less there is to deal with in advance. Um, or else, I, I, if no. not, then what the heck was uh, the difference of or how did it help you not knowing that it was going to happen? No, I, I think there is an element of that, but the fact that I, I didn't train there, the fear factor, because if okay. you train, if you yeah. if you if you train in a position, then you you get used to that. And I'm not saying you coast, but it's, 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 it's 
panic in 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 essence you think ah oh, you know I'm, I'm i'm not out, out of, you become a puyol and you never risk a pk yeah and so, so just safe. I, I don't want to be, you know, the one who, who, who <laughs> makes a mistake. And because I'm not used to that position, and yeah. I'm not trained my brain to play there, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to, I'm going to take the risk out of everything. If you could pick a story to tell me about either the Everton game, the Newcastle game, or Title Sunday, what would your natural bent for being able to remember your emotions or remember? events and your psychology what would it take you to of those three games and I'm deliberately trying to make you choose because they're probably three of the most known games in that brilliant title win well the, the, the ones at the end are more relevant aren't they the, the, the Everton game psychologically in terms of winning ugly was probably the ugliest win in the history it, it was you know really? the history of football um, the Everton game, I, I'd been on, I think I'd gone nine games without mm. scoring. And I roomed with Tony Gale, I like Tony. Um, Tony, catatonic. Yeah. But really not got much to say for himself, Gailey. Oh, well, he, he did. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you're saying. All right, Gailey. But he's a... Uh, I well, like he's that. A character, he, isn't he? Yeah. Very he, funny man. He, he was. Uh, and he said to me on the morning, morning of the game, and he, he was... You know, like a, a father figure in the team. Um, it's the age, gap. It's the age gap, isn't it? And he said, just put your foot through. Uh, just, you know, get a chance, put your foot through it. Don't, don't think about it. You know, don't think about placing stuff, put your foot through it. And I think I scored after 12 seconds, long ball, diagonal. And actually, I'd taken a touch, left foot. You know, it was instinctive. It hit it in the corner like I meant it, uh, which I hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it looked a brilliant goal on the telly. Yeah, it did. did. But, uh, but uh, you know, I'd, I'd just done what he'd said. So then we're off and running. Alan scores, I think, after 12 minutes, and we're we're cruising. And then uh, at an own form, Everton at that stage, yeah. they they they'd just yeah. done United, hadn't yeah. they? Yeah, and they were very strong, uh, especially at Goodison. And um, I think they get, get they get back to two one, and then the, that was that Melly, which sort of summed up us as a as a as a team that season and it wasn't it wasn't about team spirit it was about desire to block shots you know will to win uh you know colin hendry actually diving on the line with his head to block i mean it's just ridiculous that was a i don't know if that's a scottish thing you you'll have to <laughs> you know maybe you can answer that and then just in terms of we didn't play any football. We didn't, we, you know, we, we actually, there was a little bit of panic, but in terms of desire um, and getting the job done, I remember Alan Shearer booting the ball, sort of booting the ball uh, like in the last sort of two minutes, not, not trying to get hold of it and play, <laughs> booting the ball as far away from the goal as possible, regroup, dog it and go again. Then that's not, that's not team spirit. That's individual, that's, that's individuals actually who just say, you know, we, 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 we don't want to get beaten. You know, you, you, you give it your all. And, uh, and that, that, was, that, was, that was how we were, really. Getting over the line, that's, that's the only important thing. I like the winning ethic very, very much indeed. Um, before we leave Blackburn, can, can you tell me what um, his son winning the title meant to your dad? Can you remember showing him the medal, the trophy, or what he felt, or, you know, if, if, if he'd been a driving factor in, in your fitness, but also your mentality, <clears throat> and he'd been not somebody who necessarily dealt out oodles of praise, what did it mean for him and your mom and your, your, your family when you you're champion of England? Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it meant an awful lot. Uh, it, it actually, by the time I'd, I'd gotten, was doing well at Norwich, it actually mellowed uh, in, in terms of, you know, giving me far more praise. It was, a, it was, a, it was that push as a, as a youngster where, you the know. The necessary push. Yeah, and f for, for, a, for a reason uh, as much. And then, you know, throughout my career then, a lot of it was, was backing and and when I'd, ph I'd phone him if he'd watched games, I used to always ask him advice, and the advice wouldn't be in the same terms as when I was playing for the school team or, you know, or I'd finished a game and was in the car, and he would tell me in no uncertain terms that I needed to do a lot, a lot better. It was, you know, 
analytical advice as such about, you know, think about little movements. Because he'd been a quality know, professional it, for both it, it, Norwich and Chester. Yeah, he'd had a good Chester, living Chester until and, 27, uh, no. And, and, and Carlisle. Just little things, just about keeping a clear mind. And, you know, I used to pick things up about, about picking on other people's weaknesses. I know it's not rocket science, is it? But, you know, he... You know, he, he used to talk to me about, um, you know, who to peel on and, you know, in certain games. But, you know, I, I mean, I've, you know, I, I switched on pretty, pretty quickly. And uh, I think that was, that was quite a good asset, which I had really in, in terms of as a, as a player, if I did have one good asset, is that I used to sort of analyse, self-analyse other, other people and think, well, you know, I'd probably do a lot better playing against a, a certain centre-half than another. Make life easy. And then, so you're champion of England. It's not a particularly emotional time for your wife, your mum, your, your uh, sisters and brothers. Do you know the emotion was relief? Yeah. And, and relief because we, we nearly blew it. And so when the final whistle went to Anfield, uh, and this may be my personality, but, you know... Uh, I, I did enjoy it. I didn't enjoy it straight after the final whistle. No. I enjoyed it probably a couple of days later where, where it had, had, had sunk in. But I, I you know, I, I think even going to Anfield on that day, uh, and this may sort of sum me up as a person, I was thinking, what, you know, what if we didn't? What? Uh, but, but, you know, that is, in my view, that's a good driving force. It's a motor. But, 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 but some, some, some other people would say the opposite, and I understand that. Forgive my romanticism, but I have to ask, were you aware, other than Tears in the Day, what him having made his club champion meant to Jack Walker? Was there... It is a romantic notion. I'd, yeah. I'd like to hear, well, I felt very good because this guy who'd invested his money in my weight. Yeah. But what was he like when you made his club champion? Well, I think, you know, so I spoke about the current ownership and uh, the... You know the, the the difference now at the club. You know it's, it's a club that doesn't seem to have any soul anymore. And you know when I signed for Blackburn, Jack Walker was the owner. Uh, they had Robert Core, the chairman. They they uh, the directors. And we still get a Christmas card off the you know one of, one of the directors. And it, it you know it had a really nice feel, traditional uh, club, uh, and. You know, Jack Walker was obviously a very successful businessman, but he 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 backed the club financially. Uh, there was always the feeling that he didn't want to get anything out of it. He just wanted to give the town. You know, Blackburn isn't a, 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 a well-off area, so you know it's a working class, as you know mills uh, uh, and what have you. Uh, and he wanted to give the town something to be proud of, and he he backed it. And I th- I do feel that there was always that sense from the players when, when Jack came in uh, and that they wanted to, 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 to do something for him to please him and I have to say I don't, I don't think a lot of players would feel like that about owners nowadays in fact I think probably the opposite in most cases maybe they'll never see them from year no. end to year end they certainly Sorry, wouldn't yeah. feel that it was a utilitarian thing it would be about I guess profit or marketing yeah. or Asian markets, whatever it might be. Well, Jack used to phone. Jack used to phone me at, at home and just you know just ask it how I was and wouldn't give us any footballing advice and you know tell me to pull my finger out at all or anything. But just phone me, ask how the family was, my wife, and what a difference that makes in life. I think so, and, and uh, you know you know again, <laughs> I don't know whether I live my whole life through guilt. Is it then you think? You want to please him. Yeah. You, know, I, you, you, you want to give something back. Yeah. So I think that leads to, or in my opinion, that leads to a natural end because um, you said in this interview that people misinterpreted um, SAS, the famous SAS, that maybe there was um, ill feeling or you weren't chums, but I think your point was that it isn't essential to be bosom buddies and to share lots of interests away from the pitch to be exceptional if you're two good, intelligent footballers. And also, you know, you were talking about learning to cope with the fact that maybe you'd, you'd butted into a little happy foursome yeah. because dressing rooms are built on 
guys who drink together or like to go to the horses together or play snooker yeah. together, whatever it might be. And you just had to cope with that. But let's try and compare and contrast your football relationship with Alan Shearer yeah. and your football relationship with somebody who you got on with completely differently away from the pitch in Henrik Larsson. Let's start by trying to understand um, how quickly it was that you and Alan meshed and you, not he, you understood exactly what you needed to do, what was best for the pair of you, and how quickly you did the same things with Henrik Larsson. You know, I did have a relationship off the pitch with Alan. Alan came to, you know, it, it just isn't a big deal. I don't, you know, Alan would tell you the same. You know, he came to my house, I think, on a couple of occasions. He came to my wedding. So, you know, so I, I just think that, you know, the thing about best, best mates, did I have a closer relationship in terms of did I go out, you know, off the pitch more with Henrik? Yes. Mm. Uh, but then I played with Henrik for four seasons. I played with Alan for two in terms of different characteristics, uh, to me, I think that uh, you know the truth is, is is that they were both better players than me. You know, I knew my strengths. I think that they were they were far better that they were better individually. The difference between them, though, and what I'd say is, I always felt that their mentality, in terms of they they weren't afraid of missing, and you know, they didn't miss very much. But they weren't. I thought their mentalities were both extremely similar. And while I had an element of, well, a strong element of being ruthless, they were. They wanted to be number one, without a doubt. You know, and that is why they both had great careers. You know, very, very strong mentality. You know, and this I was getting at this earlier talking about the youth team stuff. You know, we're all in there pretending we're all pals. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, somebody wants to finish top goal scorer. And you know, you always, you know, I always felt that was, you know, that was the case. That was there was always a, a fight on, and maybe that was a bit of a weakness in in, in me. You know, I did win the uh, Golden Boot at Blackburn uh, one season, but I, I don't think that bothered me to that extent as it bothered them. And I think that was, a, you know, a bit of a weakness in, in my own character in in many respects. But when you pair a striker like that with a striker like you, potentially you've got perfection. Because instead of talking about what you've said there as maybe it was a weakness in me, what, what, at least what's come out to me over the course of this discussion, having seen you play, is that there's a sense of generosity about your play in terms of, you said at the beginning, I like to play in a partnership. Yeah. Now, to be in any partnership successfully, not both players can have the same characteristics as you talked about Henke and, and, and Alan, because then it won't work. Yeah, but I also knew I also knew what I was strong at, and I also knew what I was where I had a, a weakness. Uh, where I was had a weakness. You know, I knew my strengths. I knew my weaknesses. And my and so I would describe it as if I was playing now as a number nine, up in between uh, two centre halves as teams play with one centre forward. Then you know you don't need to be a rocket scientist to to, to work out that. I wasn't the quickest, so you know my threat wouldn't be going in behind. I think teams who play that way, you know, with a number nine, I mean, the great centre forward for me as a one would be Didier Drogba. Why? Because he has every single asset. He, you know, he has pace, he has strength, he can hold the ball up well. He's good in the air. I, you know, I always had that weakness. My comfort, or, or, or my comfort, came when I could play in a partnership, and you know. Um, I had good awareness of what was around me. I could, I could create chances. Um, you know, whether <laughs> I don't know whether people think that about me a lot, but I was, you know, I was, I was a focal point. I could slide people in, um, and I, I used to really enjoy. I used to, you know, I liked it from my young days at Norwich. Uh, you know, linking up, and I, you know, I loved it. I, I liked it at Blackburn. And I think after the time I had at Chelsea, I had a really bad year at Chelsea where I lost a lot of confidence. I played with Gianfranco Zola. You think, mm -hmm. well, how can anybody fail playing with Zola? But, and I'm not trying to say I was the same type of player. Of course I wasn't. But we both used to like to come to the ball. We used to like to be a, you know, a focal point. I did actually better at Chelsea for a brief, brief spell when George Weir came. Mm -hmm. uh, and he would play off me. And, but then... When I moved to Celtic 
and I had this partnership um, with Henrik. And you know, early on, early on at Celtic, at the time at Chelsea, I, 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 we were on a pre-season tour of Germany, and I met Henrik. I went to see Henrik on the coach, and just said, you know, I'm here, and I'd gone for a. Even though, even though I devalued four million pounds in a season, I'd gone for a Scottish record fee, yeah. and I wondered what he would, you know, what he would be thinking. So, you know, I went to him in you know, the first first day I was there and just said, you know, I'm not a threat to you. I, you know, I'll, I'll play you in. You know, I want to have a good relationship. And uh, from that day on, you know, I, I, that that was the time I enjoyed most uh, mm. in my footballing career, and I enjoyed it most because of the bad spell I'd had at Chelsea. So I actually appreciated what I had. And I talk about taking things for granted. And I took, I did take things for granted because, you know, after I'd made the early breakthrough, I thought everything, you know, was was going to to be easy and natural. And even though I'd had dips and, you know, I was lucky enough, I won the Premier League, I was 21 uh, in a partnership with Alan Shearer. But as I got older I, 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 um, and I'd developed and I'd had the bad time. I appreciate. I was thankful for what I had. I was thankful that I'd been given another opportunity. Uh, but the chance to play with someone as clever mm. as Henrik, and Henrik was extremely, mm. extremely clever and gifted. You know, his natural talent. But he, and the other thing with Henrik is he was so unselfish with me. It was untrue. As unselfish as you were with him? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, I can I can think about you know, uh, 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 he's, you know, of course he still wanted to be number one, but in terms of you know, so many. I mean, a lot of players could say how many goals he, he he created, but you know, I just had had that relationship with him where you know he he knew if I was I'd, I'd square the ball to him and he would do absolutely likewise, not not think twice. Trust is a is a is a delicate thing in any relationship and. Sometimes it's impossible to define where it comes from or, or when it gets broken. But I, I, I'd certainly, you, you talked about Zola, and you, not, not for the first time in this conversation, you were a little bit self-deprecating. I would argue maybe a little bit unnecessary, not identical to Zola, but some identical instincts. And I'm not trying to force this upon you, but you know, when people watch Benzema play in Spain, they often use the term nine and a half. Mm. Certainly lots of a nine, well, plenty of, what do you call it, a ten or not, but a, a striker that makes things happen, that gives a lot to the rest of the team. Yeah. And it's part of the reason that we're here today. I saw that in you throughout your career. I was at the, the, the Chelsea a lot in, in your time, was that the, 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 the I, game that you scored I've against Manchester United. And, and genuinely, it, it baffled me. It was, it's hard to understand from a distance how a player of ability, until you learn later in your own journalistic life, uh, the, the, the petrol in the engine that confidence and self-belief is, it's, it's extraordinary yeah. from a distance, because you, you, sometimes you can tell when a player is slow, but often you can't tell. No, uh, and in my mind, I'd, I'd, had a, I'd had a poor debut gone for big money. I, I, the season before, I'd, I'd had an injury, and I hadn't played a lot of the... I don't think I'd played from Christmas. So I think I played 20 games at Blackburn. Uh, I think a handful of goals. And so I'd gone there, not in ideal shape, but not, not yeah. that I'm blaming that. So I, but so you had I, said earlier that the fitter you feel, yeah. the clearer you are about what but, you're going to achieve. But I, didn't, I didn't start well. And then the worst thing was, in, in, in my, you know, I was, of course I was trying, but I think that you know, and I, and I talk, and this is why I put Shearer and Larson in a different category. I never saw, I never saw t- signs of weakness with them through, throughout the whole career. And, mm. and you know, they you, you may interview them, and they may tell you that they they had weakness. But I felt that uh, I'd started badly, and then I felt the worst thing you can do as a as a as a footballer, as a striker, is hesitate. And as soon as sort of a little little seeds of doubt uh, were in my mind, and I would tell myself uh, that there was no doubt. I knew there was doubt, mm. and then you know it was okay. just delusion, really. But it's that unth of a second at that level, mm-hmm. where you where where you hesitate, where you're on the back foot. You know, striking is a lot about instinct and movement, and you know I spoke about the day you know, the season I was at Norwich, 25 goals, um, and um, you know I, I, everything was really natural. And then you know I, I used, but you know I've also spoken about I, I used to think a lot about the game and you know I used to care 
uh, about how I played, and I'd come off, and I'd, 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 I'd really, really analyse myself to the nth degree. So, in, in many ways, at the time at Chelsea, I shouldn't have analysed myself. I should have, I should, I should have just tried to forget about it. But I never had that, tra I've never had that trait as a person. So that, you know, and you'd like to uh, another Tony Gill to say, yeah. instead of put your foot through it, just stop thinking. Yeah, well, which is hard to do, but whatever. And. Uh, I, I, well, I say whatever. I don't mean that flip. I, I, I mean, I, I think that that is that is that is right. But I, um, you know, I was on my knees at the end of Chelsea because I was a laughing stock. You know, like it or not, you know, I'd gone, I'd gone for for for, for I'd signed I a six-year deal. I've gone for big money. So I think it's easy to. I think if you only look at back pages, or if you listen to the the carrying people who just want to feast, but as an observer, all I was was confused. Mm. So, so was, that was the problem with me. <laughs> well, it didn't put me quite on my knees, but I, I was. I was inquisitive. And, and the sad thing about professional football journalism career now is that we mm. didn't have a chance even to do a tenth of this. So what you do is you interpret or you speak to her. And it's... it's so I think, I think it's really, really harsh. No, I used to get... You know, what I'm getting at there is I'd gone for money and I didn't score goals. And that was, mm. that was the, the, you know, the biggest part. Was it fair? Um, yeah. Criticism? Did I like it? Absolutely not. Did I lose confidence? Yes. Do I wish I was stronger through Of course I do. But then subsequently, uh, I actually then went on to have the best period of my career, mainly because of the, the determining factor being that when I started to enjoy my football again, mm. because I didn't enjoy not doing well. Who would enjoy that? No. When I started to enjoy it again, I actually, I was actually not angry with myself that I felt I coasted years that, but I didn't appreciate what I mm. had, and that is, is what that is why I, I you know, I, I loved it. I thrived, thrived on it, and then to play with, you know, to to have a partnership with La Henrik Larsson, incredible. It's a bonus. But, uh, and you know, in in terms of. Walking out on a pitch, and you know, I had it with Shearer, didn't appreciate it at 21. In terms of walking out on a pitch uh, against anybody, um, any team in Europe, whatever, to, I used to, I used to think, and you know, wouldn't wouldn't say it, but used to think, uh, you know, I've talked a lot about being negative, but I, I used to think we could trouble anybody. Okay. Uh, we, we could, without, without saying it yeah. before the game, we just think if we're, if we're at it, we have, we have a good, you know, I, I know where you are, you know where I am, and we have, a, have, a have that relationship. feeling, isn't it? Just yeah. that feeling about, yeah. like, if we're on our day, yeah. you ain't beating us. And that, that was, you know, and but I used to, I used to you know, I, 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 wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't tell people what I used to think, um, because I always used to think if you tell people what you think, then you fall flat on your face then, you know. So... You know, my, my sort of view, I, I, knew, I knew what my strengths were, I knew how good I was, I knew what my weaknesses were, uh, and I used to, you know, work off the back of that, essentially. Play the percentages. Well, as, as the Greek restaurant in the background smashes all the plates for good luck, I'm not going to be cheeky, but I'm going to finish by just saying a, a little thank you to a man I've never met, my um, right-hand opening batsman for Drayton. Mike Sutton, who I believe, because you've spoken about this, that your dad, um, at a decent age after a great life, is, is struggling with dementia. Yeah. And therefore, those who listen into this um, podcast, clearly um, Martin is with me and Chris and I hope you enjoy it, but take time to think about people with dementia, take time to think about what sporting memories can do to give little periods of clarity and happiness to anybody with dementia. It's a proven thing and take time to think and contribute to the fight against uh, dementia because a very strong character has come out throughout this long and generous interview is Mike Sutton, your father. And um, you've been very generous and open and interesting and funny. And um, this is part of the privileges of doing the job that we do. So thank you. Thank you. Fantastic. Pleasure. Thank you. Chris Sutton. At the end of that interview, I mentioned Chris's dad's battle with dementia. This seems to all of us at the beginning to be a good time to direct your attention to the Football Memories Project, which I've been involved with for a few years now. 
The project is a partnership between Alzheimer Scotland and the Scottish Football Museum and it trains volunteers to spend time with people with dementia who have an interest in football, talking about teams and matches from the past and working with images and memorabilia to stimulate memories. If you'd like to find out more about a football memories project near you, check out www.footballmemories.org.uk for more information. The big interview, as always, is produced by Backpage and me, Graham Hunter. The music you hear is by Beer Jacket. Check his music out on iTunes or Bandcamp. You can keep up with everything that we do, enter exclusive competitions, and put your questions to our future guests by joining the mailing list at grahamhunter.tv. That site is also where you can buy the new, updated version of my book, Barca, The Making of the Greatest Team in the World, my account of the Pep Guardiola era at the camp now between 2008 and 2012. It is in all good boot shops now, but it does make a big difference to all of us who worked on the project if you buy direct at grahamhunter.tv forward slash books. You'll be sure to get the new edition and you'll be helping us to continue producing independent content like this, which remains free. Thanks for being there. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to OSEAMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site wide.